Hello and welcome to Last Year A DJ Saved My Life, a love letter to the music that gets us through, the pandemic and life in general, in podcast form. My guest this week is Declan Murphy, one of my very, very favourite human beings on the entire planet. I was introduced to Declan by a mutual friend and soon-to-be guest Brenda one night in a Dublin pub around eight years ago. To say we hit it off immediately would be downplaying it, to be honest. The moment I met Declan, I knew I'd met someone really special that I wanted to be in my life always. It was like having a missing piece of my soul return to me, despite not having met him before. I know he's squirming tremendously at the deep sentimentality of that statement, but honestly, it's true. And well, blame COVID. In the years we've been friends, Declan and I have seen one another through some low lows, but thankfully way more high highs and some of my very, very favourite moments. We've always loved to talk about books and music over a pint, or several. So this conversation was, to me anyway, just pure joy. Declan's choices are pure Declan. Eclectic, intelligent, mildly subversive, and 100% gorgeous. Although we can't play the music we discuss for rights reasons, as ever, there is a corresponding Spotify playlist in the show notes and linked on the website at lastyearadjsavedmy.life. Please do give it a listen. And if you can, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen, as it just helps make us that little bit easier to find. I won't lie, this is not the shortest episode. Neither of us is famous for brevity. I also just couldn't bear to edit out a second more of it. Thank you so much for listening, though. I really hope you enjoy. We just fire away. We get stuck Let's in. go for it. Plunge into it. Just plunge. <laughs> get hard or go home. So glad I've got that recorded. Mm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Well, welcome. Welcome, Declan, to the podcast. Thank you very much. My first, my maiden podcast. Your maiden. I've stolen your podcast virginity. <laughs> I, was referring to, I was referring to cricket, not uh, not sexual practices, but uh, hey, whatever you're having yourself. Either or, either or. It was exactly. always going to end up It was going to end up in the gutter at some point, wasn't it? It's inevitable. <laughs> it's it, just... Embrace the inevitable. I mean, you know. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't hung out there in a while, so no, I feel like no. we should make up for lost time. <laughs> Oh, um, okay, mm. I know we're starting out well, aren't we? Yes. So, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's a nice day here in Ireland. Uh, I was down in Salt Hill, got a bit sunburned. It hasn't been the best of years. Uh, it hasn't been. Uh, it wasn't a particularly good vintage. You know, it's 2020 was closer to Buckfast than Burgundy in terms of its. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there were high points. The Four Seasons interview with uh, our press conference, Rudy Giuliani, was, was definitely a, press, a high point for me. That was that was the point when things started to turn around. I think that's when, you know, it's uh, I stopped worrying and embraced the pandemic. Yeah, you saw like there got to be a point where it just stopped being a horror show and just started being yeah. so ridiculously yeah. bad. It was funny in parts. Yeah, no, absolutely. For at the start, actually, I remember thinking, um, Jesus, this is great. I'll have a chance to get caught up in so much stuff, work and everything else. Mm. And just it didn't work out that way. Uh, you hear a lot of um, radio interviews of people talking about how, you know, all the projects that were on the shelf, I you know, managed to get them done. And uh, I just, uh, by bad coincidence, uh, work got really crazy about that time. And part of my job is managing people. And uh, that was difficult at a distance, shall we say. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm not looking forward to the inevitable rise of the, the pandemic memoir. 
you know, my pandemic year. Like, it's not that people haven't suffered. It's more like we just don't want to hear, you know, C-list celebrities go on about it. I'm not looking forward to that. Not when your friends could just podcast it. You could hear nobody talk about it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, it's, this, this has been a good year. 2021 has been a good year, I have to say, so far. And hopefully it should get better. Ireland only really came out of lockdown in May. Is that right? That's pretty correct, yeah. Yeah. And it was quite severe. Like, I don't know about you, but I've sort of, every now and then, I remember that we're now halfway through 2021. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't quite got my head around the fact that we'd even started it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's this weird limbo state of half pandemic. I think where we're at now, if we had reached there by February or March, you know, this would have been a great summer. And I think people were looking forward to this as a great summer. But um, mm. 2022 will probably be the year that, people hope 21 would be yeah yeah and people have adjusted but human beings are social creatures you know and you can see it with gatherings outside and okay like people give like in Galway in Spanish art I think you know you know what, what Spanish art is commonly known as a book fast place or uh, similar <laughs> uh, like people giving out of a student congregating and you know, young people congregating I, I actually would give them a sort of free pass on that it's been particularly tough on that mm. age group let's say late teens or people in their early 20s that was the period of their life when I think when you go a bit mad you know when you're allowed to go a bit mad when you're expected to go a bit mad and when they do uh, they get criticized for it I yeah uh, I would have actually given them a free pass, you know, rather than people ringing into radio shows giving out about it. I think they've forgotten. They've short memories, those people. There's been something about this pandemic that people have been very quick to judge the behaviour of others. Mm. Mm. I remember seeing something earlier on, like, it's almost like you'd know, you could have known immediately which of your friends would have joined the Stasi mm. <laughs> really yeah. quickly. Yeah. Because, you know, even in the first wave of it, there was a lot of, you know, shaming people for being outdoors mm. or shaming people for walking in the park. And yeah. I think there's just a weird thing about the pandemic as it's rolled on and, and we're all to a, whatever degree we are able, like most people, the vast majority of people are trying to do the right thing. But I think mm. you're right. Like when you're 20, it's really hard to talk to someone who's 18, 19, 20 yeah. about potentially dying because you're invincible. You're bulletproof at that age, you know, um, you really are. You're bulletproof up until probably 28, 29. <laughs> Your mind, <laughs> yeah, experience starts to catch up with you. But what I do think if I were, you know, emperor, tyrant, I would have vaccinated that cohort first, actually. It would have got a young. bit of norm young people, actually, counterintuitively maybe, but I think it would have got a sense of normality back um even speaking you know uh, dry economics you know there would have been they're a generation that spend uh as they should and uh if you know it would have got people back in city centers and university campuses and so on mm. you know it, it would have heralded uh that there you know we're in the foothills of this and there's good times to come and there's no better better way of seeing that than young people sort of out enjoying themselves um uh, you know and we have to trust them obviously because they're they're us just a few years behind us so that's yeah. that's that's the way i feel about it um the pandemic itself um I, yeah i think it's shone a light uh into you know who we are as society that uh, you you talked about yeah it's on un unclinched some sanctimonious uh behavior in certain <laughs> people absolutely i remember someone laughing when someone said well it hasn't made any change to my daily routine <laughs> but uh, and, it and it hasn't for some people but i definitely miss human contact no doubt i miss live music I miss the pints on Friday night because they also kept me sane in a way that I did not realize. Yeah. They did really just the, the ability to get nicely, nicely drunk, not terribly drunk, 
and um, blow off steam on, on a Friday evening, no matter how tough your work was. You know, that was something I think I will really cherish now uh, if I ever if, I, if we ever get back there. I'm hoping it's a bit like someone who's telling me that, that uh, after after uh, Franco died in Spain, there was this big uh, I forget the name of it. They have a name for it now. It's like a period of time in Spanish history where people, the arts, it was like a huge flourishing of the arts. It was, you name it, film, uh, theater, uh, novelists, uh, and just in society in general, it was more of a party mood. And I'm hoping something like that will, will happen here maybe late, later this year early or next year. And yeah. you know, people will move off with this ultimately. Um, One of the first things I did in the first lockdown, um, and you'll sort of appreciate this, I imagine, is like I... I had a book on my bookshelf all about the Black Death. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so the first thing I did, and I think I've had it for yeah. oh, 10, 15 years or whatever, um, was go back to the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. so, so sort of, you know, it was. I think it was a really low day. And I was like, well, what happens afterwards? What do people do mm. afterwards? Because, mm. you know, I mean, the Renaissance came after. Yeah, yeah. The Black Death. So yeah, like to your theory, like arts and things, you can imagine seeing a resurgence of it. But I remember one of the things was that people were just sort of like celebrating wildly. Yeah. Yeah, really kind of hedonistically because they'd spent years staring death in the face yeah. and never quite knowing yeah. if it was going to come for them. So of course, mm. you naturally want to kind of cram as much life into it. And that is a really emotive space. But like, I mean, they were talking about people in Italy were just like, you know, shagging on you know, burial sites, yeah. and shit like that, like just everywhere in the street, people fornicating, and I could do without that. I've seen yeah. two penises on the subway oh. this week. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, that's such a social life you have. Yeah, I mean, that's... it's. I think you see your you see your third, and you can officially say that you've like unlocked another level of becoming a New Yorker. Mm. Now, because you see your third, you don't you don't yeah. bat an eyelid by the well... third ones. <laughs> It becomes mundane after that. You're like, oh, it's Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do, I kind of think there will be a lot of celebration. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking, mm. personally, looking forward to a Friday night mm. pint mm. in Fallon's with Fallon's. yourself, drunkenly screaming Pixies lyrics at me. Yes, yes. Um, and maybe um, talking each other out of going to Wheelands this time because we're a bit smarter and older and wiser than we used to be. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, when I mentioned embracing the inevitable, we should just at the start of the night agree that we're going to do it and just forget, just, yeah, just, just remove that. <laughs> just remove that as a conversation point for later on. Just, 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 just agree that up front. Yeah. We just, yeah. yes, we yeah. just might need to kind of, yeah, pre-book an IV for the next day. Yeah. Like Can be done. Everything is possible nowadays. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the thing. This yeah. is the thing. So, Talk to me about music during the pandemic and what your experience was um, with or without it. Yeah, no, no look, um, uh, like I grew up in a house that always had music, albeit it was a, uh, of the country, and not country and Western, more country, country kind. Uh, and I would have always have listened to music during like study, particularly, particularly when I left university, I was doing professional exams. Uh, I, would have, um, I would have had the music on a lot, like my CD collection. Was, was a precious thing back then. Um, and uh, at the start, like I, I, I was listening quite a bit, um, but then things got a bit, bit weird, a bit crazy, uh, particularly like there was a sudden guillotining of human contact. Um, mm. And for me, like music for me has been more about sort of hanging out with the guys or girls. There's always been a social element to it. Um, my memories of going to see bands are 
you know, heavily uh, interlinked with memories of my friend. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever gone to a gig of my own, you know. Uh, and uh, like, as you know, like I would have been over and visiting some some people I know in Edinburgh or London or whatever. Uh, in some cases, some several times a year, that all went away. Yeah. I don't think I ha- I got disillusioned with um, Zoom calls and team calls because I never liked them in the first place. Same. <laughs> I, I, I at the start I was kind of envious to hear stories of people doing the Friday night Zoom quizzes, but uh, just just the whole idea just made me weary. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, um, it was a bit organised fun, wasn't it? it? it it's it like was, being uh, asked to go on a really shitty Hindu. Exactly. It was it was corporate. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of corporate. It reminded me of corporate sort of nights out where you have to pretend to enjoy uh, yourself. You do the icebreakers. Yeah, yeah. So no, it was it was yeah, it was a bit tedious that way, a bit contrived. Then I, I guess I just stopped listening to music for a while. Um, I stopped reading as well, which again is something I'd associate a lot with music. Mm. Um, like I, I can't pinpoint when that happens. I can sort of pinpoint why now in retrospect, but not when. Um, and as I said, I spent a lot of uh, a lot of uh, particularly the summer. It was a really nice summer weather-wise here last year, and uh, I didn't spend a lot of that outdoors because I was under pressure and other things. And yeah, I stopped listening to music around about the same time. It, I just stopped. It wasn't a conscious decision. And uh, like this sort of <laughs> ruins the whole <laughs> sort of uh, theme of, of this podcast. But uh, I started to note its absence after a while, um, particularly when I was more coming back to myself, uh, started doing the things I enjoyed doing. Mm. And I started listening to music, particularly when I was working, when it wasn't on calls uh, at work, which is rare enough. But if I had to get something done, I would bizarrely enough just uh, call subscribe to I think it's YouTube music can't remember I would just call up some bizarre uh uh te- you know t- techno while you're working sort of playlist now I'm not a yeah I'm in no way an electronic fan or anything but I found that brilliant it's good focus music I think though like Lorna and I talked about that that sometimes yeah. that synthy EDM thing can just be really good for focusing you absolutely um I completely like it I found that really really great and bizarrely enough that was kind of segue back to listening listening again i mean as part of this exercise uh sorry i've described this as an exercise part of this um, part <laughs> of an enjoyable time. experience now no, I, like, I, I like the we'll come to it later but the deus album is one i hadn't listened to in about a decade mm. uh despite that being being a song I, I really like and um it was because i come from a sort of generation where when you bought a cd you listen to it yeah track eight track said and you know you yeah. listen to repeat you really got your money's worth um you also like you also got the album notes out and read the lyrics yeah read any yeah. kind of writing about the project yes. like who the credits were all that sort of stuff and you get, you'd get really annoyed because some band uh you know wouldn't publish liner notes or wouldn't you know wouldn't pub- yeah. my publish the lyrics only to you know one song the worst song on the album and then that'll be the it you know <laughs> and then sometimes some bands are really generous they're really you know really uh sort of open and, and giving about that and that you know that made them you like them all, all the more but uh yeah no music is something i i would have like it's a big part of my life uh growing up uh, i remember when i changed secondary schools when i was younger and one of the things it, it's a difficult thing when you're 13 years of age changing secondary schools I can assure you uh, particularly yeah. you know, I was switching from a co-ed to an old boys quite quite sad interesting time in my life one of the things that helped me bond with uh, the friends I still have to this day uh, there were new friends then was 
just I knew a little bit about music and so did they. Suddenly it didn't matter where I came from or that I was a new boy. It was just a, it was just an instant kind of a, a mutual thing we could talk about. Um, yeah. And that, that was great. Like, I always remember that. I do. All, and I remember being grateful for that. And the other thing was, it's, it's funny how the small things in your life really, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, really influence or really have much bigger effect than people think. Uh, uh, we had... <laughs> Uh, but Ed won't thank you for saying this. Uh, we, we had basically all the, the, the British channels, as it were, when we were growing up through uh, a combination of a, a, a coincident or look, lucky geographical sort of positioning. Yeah. We live on top of a hill. And secondly, uh, we got managed to get a hold of some sort of quasi-illegal technology in Ireland in the late 1980s. <laughs> and uh, we, we could pick up the BBC transmitter from Inneskinnan. That gave me a whole kind of it's going to sound arsy now, but I'll say like cultural insight or sort of mm. open up a world to me that now looking back, like I remember watching Blackadder when it was originally broadcast and then being able to talk to some of the guys at school about that. And that immediately set you apart. Yeah. Certainly. I don't, I don't think uh, like Top of the Pops was ever broadcast on Irish TV. I don't think it was. I might be wrong about that, but wow. I don't think it was. And yet having that every, every week, whatever night of the week was, I forget, but also Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday. Yeah, it was because you, yeah, I remember that. Thursday at seven. Yeah. EastEnders. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, well remembered. Well remembered. That continued, that continued to college. Certainly I would have spent most of my money in, uh, you know, when I got my first job on CDs, I would have spent pretty much all my evenings waiting for the, I had to wait uh, for a bus back out to the suburbs when I moved to Dublin, I would have spent a, that time in HMV on on Grafton Street, just uh, mm. you know browsing. Um, so yeah, it, it has always been there. That and reading have gone hand in hand. And when they stopped, that should have been that should have been alarm signals. That should have been an early warning system. And that's certainly mm. one lesson. Um, when they stopped, and when I let other things take their place, because you know nature abhors a vacuum. Um, yeah. You're better off. <laughs> you're better off with music in your life, basically. So hopefully, I've managed to, you know, steer back to, uh, you know, the theme yeah. of this podcast, and you know, not not completely <laughs> scupper what we're supposed to be talking about. But, no, um, no, but like, I I did something similar though because I was talking about it last week with Rowan. Yeah. Because I make like a monthly playlist. And mm-hmm. I've done it forever, and then there are just two months that are missing. Yeah. From last year, and I thought it's actually it was um, April and May. Yeah. So the two, the second two months of being in lockdown, and I think I was, I couldn't really even go for a walk in mm. the area that my apartment was in Detroit then. So I was really well sort of Rapunzeling in my hair, was getting bigger and bigger yeah. in my <laughs> apartment. But the same, like I couldn't read a book. Yeah. You know, Wolf Hall had just come out at the beginning of the pandemic or mm. just prior to it. And I'd been looking forward to it for years. Not Wolf Hall, sorry. Bring, bring, um, down the, bring down the body. Was it it was the mirror, the mirror and the light, the final sorry, one. Sorry, the final one. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd been looking forward to it for years. And I didn't I didn't finish that until Christmas of this really? year. I just, I just couldn't do mm. it. And it was, I don't know, yeah, reading and music just both had to take a backseat. I could sort of stare at a film. Yeah. Can kind of like half pay that mm. attention and mm. get up and walk around and do other things because i yeah. found that when we were in probably like the most acute part of the pandemic yeah like yourself felt very isolated i almost couldn't quiet the noise in my head yeah there is something nice about that moment where it starts to go back and you realize you're on an upward trajectory again and yeah no, i'd agree with that or uh, sorry, I'd recognise that experience. That giants with me. Um, yeah. But it will. It can happen. Can happen. It's very democratic in a way. Like it can happen, where one thing or one sort of source of stress takes over your life completely, and it just pushes out 
relationships that pushes out uh, relationship with people relationship with music relationship with whatever whatever t- even a tv serial you might be watching it doesn't matter yeah there's still books i haven't got around to reading i'll never i will never finish infinite jest i've just accepted that um <laughs> yeah, you know, you've only been talking about it for nearly yeah, 10 years yeah yeah <laughs> i i i sent eastwood once said as dirty harry a good man knows and accepts his limitations <laughs> i i no, i won't finish that but no i am back reading back reading now and um it's great basically uh mm. it's great yeah yeah it is it's lovely when it comes back i'm the same when it comes back mm. and I, I guess that's one thing that i'm sort of grateful for for the experience of the pandemic is mm. there are things that i always cherished mm. that i sort of let fly or slide a little mm. bit um but now i really cherish them and you know mm. if, if i see my or if i can if i notice them disappearing slightly in my life or kind of downgrading slightly in my life that is as you say a warning sign but yeah. also even like you say I think things like relationships and like who are the people that you want around mm. you mm. and definitely that's that's for a conversation in Fallon's over a pint that, that my, is... my existential <laughs> crisis on that level and my uh, future life plans for the pause for a different podcast well yeah <laughs> but, well I, I look forward to discussing them in Dublin 8 needless to say you're in it so then you know you're you will forever be in my life plans. oh um <laughs> is that a threat <laughs> yeah, yes 100% <laughs> oh well <laughs> like it or not Murphy mm-hmm. I shall I shall I shall comply <laughs> yeah it's fine Max and I have got it all arranged don't worry about it um so well let's get to the songs that you chose then as yeah. the songs that sort of got you through the pandemic mm-hmm. you had zero surprise in the first one which is part of why I love you um Waterproof by yes. Sparks yes what about instant yeah, Instant Street by Deus. Yes. The National Anthem, Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Lucretia, My Reflection from the Sisters of Mercy. Yes. And The Day Man by Charlie Day. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. yeah. In fact, let's... <laughs> what a great list. No, no, no. Day Man, I mean, listen, uh, It's Always Sunny is, is it's just great, right? Um, yes. Mags and I, for many an evening, uh, and first of all, there's just so many episodes. Those guys work hard. They work really mm. hard. Uh, I mean, seriously, like it's it takes some amount of work to to write, produce, and then act in these things. Like uh, they do ten episodes a season, and they're on season whatever now. I don't ten, eleven, twelve, lost track. Mm. But it would never fail to cheer Mags and myself up in the evening, no matter what the day was. You put on the short episodes; they're ridiculous, they're surreal, uh, yeah, they're horrible people. Uh, at least one of them is a psychopath who's playing a fully blown psychopath, and they are just <laughs> they are just brilliant. And and it, 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 they owe a special place in 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 uh, you and I and uh, Mags once went to the uh, yeah the uh, always sunny uh, tribute um, events in in the back page and oh, up yes. in always sunny in Fibsbrough. sunny in Fibsbrough. Yeah. So look, we were. It turns out a lot of people like it, but it's still not a mainstream. It occupies the same place that a peep show occupies, and that people who like it really like it, and will go on and on about it. But you know, mm. it's, it is not a mainstream, very mainstream hit. But anyway, the one of everybody's top ten episode is the Nightman Cometh, and uh, <laughs> in which in which in which Charlie is character, who has you know literacy problems, writes a musical. It's it's a love letter to musicals. It is, it is like, and it is brilliant. It's just simply brilliant. It's the rock opera, rocky horror, meatloaf sort of glam rock yeah, yeah. mashup with 
Danny DeVito. That's <laughs> a troll. Playing, playing a troll with, with sexual predilections that we shouldn't talk about. It was... Uh, no, we should. We should. No, it's brilliant. And, and uh, uh, it's, yeah, and at one stage they show the script that Charlie's written and it's just a series of like, what, uh, hieroglyphics because the guy can't yeah. write. It's just all these things. Like yeah, it's, and then Dayman itself, it's, it's just such a great song. It, there's a little bit of boy there. There's a little bit of... Yes. Um, there's a little bit of because there's a lot of glam rock from, from the 70s and uh, it is obviously completely ridiculous, but it's just, I put that on at any time and that would put me in a good mood. There's just no doubt about it. It's just, Mags and I would go around the house here and just randomly sing it. Uh, doing the clapping, yeah. doing the clapping uh, <laughs> that, that we're doing while dresses what look like Ziggy's artist. That'll be in our memories long after, you know, high artists faded. You know, that'll yeah. stick with us. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's one of those things, like you said earlier about music for you is about connection with mm. people. Mm-hmm. And I do think that when you say, if you mention Always Sunny to somebody and the <laughs> first thing that they do isn't either talk about Dayman or sing yeah. like ah <laughs> fighter of the yeah. night man <laughs> then you've not met your people like they're not yeah, your people they're and not no. like, if they do it i'm like yeah you're good people i've got yeah. you we're on the same wavelength and and that's that's happened to my, my, myself were out in at long once uh, with a bunch bunch for um uh musical friends and we were just sitting opposite uh the lady who directed the the show or whatever they were in and she like She's a proper musician and all the rest of it. But uh, we were, we, Mags and I, whatever, the punchline to whatever we were talking about, we just started singing Day Man. And she turned around and goes, I love Charlie Day. We, were, we had found, we had found, was, you know, yes. a bomb there straight away. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, a big fan of Charlie. So, Day Man by Charlie Day. What yes. about Sparks and Waterproof? Then? Yes. So, this is uh, like Sparks are one of these, like, I don't know an awful lot about them. Um, like, they've had this absolutely very very uh, highly productive in terms of creative output career seems like lots of people like to claim them as an influence sometimes that's nonsense sometimes it isn't <laughs> but uh like i only i only got introduced to them through my friends through sheer accident really the night before we were going to see them and uh, we saw them at god i think it was electric picnic 20 2006 way back anyway and um they were really, really, really excellent. They were relegated to one of the side tents and they were on at like about eight o'clock in the evening, but uh, mm. they were outstanding. Uh, and Waterproof is is a great song. I mean, it, it really is a great song. I mean, it was it was a toss-up between this and uh, you have another song, Metaphor, which, uh, you know, it, it, with a straight face, talks about the joys of a perfectly crafted metaphor and why you shouldn't mix them. So... <laughs> <laughs> Ever wow. there was a more Declan Murphy song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's that. That I mean, what's not to like? And then the, the two, the two guys, the two brothers are just so—they're completely contrasting styles, you know. And I know that's all theater and it's put on and what have you, but uh, you know, it works works really well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they're one of those bands I feel that um, will get their day in the sun, but it probably won't be till it's too late. Probably till they're gone, you know. I think they'll be rediscovered. No, Waterproof's Waterproof's great tune. I mean, it's uh, as I think I wrote down there. It's a song about the benefits of lack of empathy, but. Maybe, maybe that's uh, <laughs> that's unfair, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's just a great song. It has a great chorus. It is, it's just a great tune. Did you seek that out during the pandemic? Absolutely, absolutely. Like kind of grounding or something. Yeah, again, going back to 
music always having a social aspect or a social angle. That that's a song I would associate with particular sort of gatherings or period of meeting up with friends a particular period of my life. My wife keeps saying that uh, that song is basically our version of Avengers Assemble that you know, when we hear uh, <laughs> yes, when it's played, all, all, we all dash to wherever we hear it and um, and we act and we act ridiculously, we dance ridiculously and we behave ridiculously, but it's all great fun. Um, you know, it's music that doesn't take itself too seriously and neither should. Mm, yeah, I remember at a certain uh, an occasion the Avengers were assembling and there was just a moment of watching absolute lunacy unfold and going like, these are like a handful of quite respectable professional <laughs> men. <laughs> and just like lepping around the dance floor and with just sort of unbridled joy. And you're like, you say like, there just needs to be more of that in the no, world. No, there, there, there does. There really does. And uh, no, there really does. So talk to me about Instant Street by Deus. I had never heard of this band when you sent me the list and... Yeah, it was a new one for me. Yeah, so Belgium, not known for its music output. Uh, I think Jacques Brel would be the other sort of semi-global. He, he's the guy who wrote, uh, he's dead now, but he would have written, um, uh, uh, it was covered by Mark Erleman, Jackie. He would have written the original version of that. Um, he was quite big in the 60s and 70s. Ring any bells, no? Yeah, I thought that was Scott Walker. No, I think it's, I think it's Jacques Brel. Ah. I think I think it might be wrong now. It might be wrong. Anyway, leave him aside. <laughs> no, Deus, I mean, again, they're not a band I really know anything about. And it's not like I've gone off and bought all uh, their other albums. This was a, a song, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a big hit. It wasn't a hit, I don't think at all. But it was played a few times on, on an Irish kind of late night indie uh, music video program called No Disco. It starts out kind of relatively downbeat, relatively, I would say, indie template, dangly mm. guitars, and then... It just sort of, in its final third, just completely uh, ups the tempo and um, goes off in a completely different, well, kind of completely different direction. But it's a song that that always kind of, I won't say cheers me up, but sort of gets the blood racing. Yeah. That album is a great album, actually. I listened to it again recently in preparation for this, and it's... They were really good songwriters, I think. You know, they could craft so many different elements into what were complicated enough songs. You know, they 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 could really, not on that album, but on some other stuff I've heard, they could really rock out as well. You know, they really knew how to, to rash out a tune. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the album has a lot of songs start one way and uh, then kind of morph halfway through or in the final third, something completely different. So there's some songs that start off very dreamlike, very angelic, very sort of ethereal, and then they turn into something far darker at the end and vice versa. So... It's it's an interesting one, and it's a band I'd recommend to people actually, and that particular album in particular, yeah. So, so there check you go. Them out. Yeah. So yeah, you can get people listening to Deus the way Mark got me and Mags listening to Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock Rush. Um, no, never. Newly converted. Your third one then is Radiohead, but not necessarily one of the ones that people would expect you to choose. You yes. choose the national anthem. Yes. So. Uh, Look, Radiohead are a band that they were concurrent with Britpop, but they weren't part of the whole Britpop thing. Mm. They may have benefited a little bit from the wave that was Britpop, but certainly they themselves didn't see themselves as part of it. The two albums of the Benz and OK Computer yeah, will be forever in top 100s. They will yeah. be. Yeah, they will be. They will be. But it's funny because I wouldn't have never regarded myself as a massive Radiohead fan, yet some of their music, particularly over the last 10 years, just completely, in a way that no other band I've come across, just captures the whole sense of creeping dread you know, that you sometimes get. <laughs> that is being alive in the early 21st century. <laughs> it's not even... The first time I noticed this was after Twin Towers fell. Uh, they just brought out um, uh, Amnesiac at the time, and uh, the, the Pyramid song from that was, was just the soundtrack for so many kind of 
montages, I suppose, on TV show, news shows of, of, of the towers falling. And it just summed it up, which is kind of sorrowful, reflective and fearful all in one. It was just just brilliant. And there's there's two there's two songs that tend to play in my head when, you know, when when, when shit is getting real, you know, when the, when mm. the chips are down and one uh, our friend Brenda has this one as well bizarrely enough it's one of Tori Emerson's uh, Cornflake Girl the bit the bit where in the song where uh, she sings that uh, this is not really happening and then the response is mm. you you bet your life it is yes. that's, that's, that's one that's happening uh, but the other one was the um, particularly to start the build up with, with the jazz tracks layered on by National Anthem by Radiohead it's um, like it's a very it's almost a very robotic song in some ways but it's um, it's great bass line I mean it's great I remember listening to Kid A the first time around and I hated it like I really hated it I was really just pissed off with the band I thought they'd let everybody down like I yeah, wasn't but I, it I, really threw people it was a real departure it really did but I can honestly say I've listened more to Kid A than combined I've listened to their their previous two albums there's just something about it that like it's still being referred to today by the most random of people of uh, an album they listen to anytime they're feeling kind of discombobulated with the world but uh that song in particular is like if I'm under stress or stuff happening or it's a deadline or something's really on whether or not I'm playing it it's certainly in the mental soundtrack and I think that's a good thing because it kind of gets you off the fight mm. it's a battle march you know it really is it's your it's rocky a, theme tune. yeah we are not going to go down without fighting yeah yeah and then because you were saying that you don't so music kind of sort of disappeared it didn't necessarily get you through mm. but do you find that you seek out specific music for a mood or like, you know, if you're in a certain place in your head or like, um, no, no. So those are great. Stuff, cool. Those, Thanks. No, 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 no. I, I have, I have a better answer. It's more, it's more, no, it's more organic than that. Like, like those two songs I just mentioned, they were not ones I consciously picked and decided, Oh yeah, yeah. these, these are the songs. Those were songs that kind of or lyrics, maybe that kind of came to me when shit, when stuff, sorry, stuff was happening. Um, mm, which you can swear. which makes it you know better than if you consciously sort of sit down and say okay I'm going to associate this with this no because you know that's that's what that's where my mind went that's where my memory went when uh, when yeah. it needed to so for that for me it's far more genuine yeah it's sort of like your synapses are wired yeah yeah with that and the whatever the feeling is mm, exactly yeah I was having a conversation really like I think everyone's got like one sort of earworm. Mm song that is just the soundtrack to the life and mine really annoyingly is deck the halls <laughs> it's just yeah, literally it's really, yeah. i find myself it's really depressing and i think it's because i've spent so much time alone mm. but there's been less stimulus to to sort of drown out the fact that in my head i'm always going like fa la 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 like it's just what i do it is an ear it is an earworm though you know mm. too hard on yourself yeah, yeah. i would like i would like a different one yeah. perhaps your last track of this selection, mm-hmm. which is Lucretia, My Reflection, oh, yeah. The Sisters of Mercy. So let's get this out of the way at the start. They're a ridiculous band, right? Um, <laughs> but, like, how do I explain it? I've always had, and we'll come to it later, one or two other bands on the list and the other selections that uh, uh, are consistent with this, but I've always had a soft spot for kind of 80s alternative scent music, right? Mm. And now the sisters weren't necessarily synth band but this song is taken from a sort of period in the career when when they were they like they were famously a trouble band i mean i mean jesus they had so many uh personnel changes there's, there's only two sort of constant people and i use the word kind of vaguely uh in in the band <laughs> what well, one was a drum machine called dr avalanche and the other was andrew Eldridge, and that was it like that was it uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and uh 
he's quite a funny individual like he's he's mm. he's, he's he's quite kind of sarcastic in the, and and witty in the way that Noel Gallagher is for example you know that sort of a I'm just really not yes. taking any of this seriously but no this this is this is good tune um I tend to like one one theme is I tend to like songs with a you know a sort of strong bassline or that's something I've noticed as a result of this mm. exercise and um uh, this this certainly has got a good one this is a great driving song this is a song that will get you penalty points. It absolutely will. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and look, it's 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 ridiculous. It's it's as I said, uh, nobody ever really finds out who Lucretia is. You know, it's just a just kind of a nicely gothic name, and uh, it's just a great tune. It's just a really great tune, and it's all because of that baseline. Yeah, it wouldn't be like I don't know a lot about Sisters of Mercy, and I probably know as much as the average person who knows the obvious <laughs> tracks from an eighties disco yeah. at university or yeah, something. Yeah. Definitely is something that you a strong bass features in a lot of your choices. And I've taken Deep on Bridge with one of your choices, but um, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Time. Okay. Well. Yes. Whatever happened to no judgment? Whatever happened to no judgment? Well, it's only it's only deep because we'll do it now. It's because you've stolen one that was going to be on my list oh, okay. on my podcast. Oh, that's okay. That's <laughs> a, now I've got that's, that's cool. now I've got to find something else. That sort of umbrage is fine. <laughs> theft is fine, but uh, yeah, the theft is fine. Yeah, fraud, but fraud is not. So yeah, no, that's fine. That's where we draw the line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's move on to your next bunch. So the songs that have soundtracked key moments of life or the ones that like transport you back into specific times and again you've picked five you've picked forget georgia by something happens (laughs) (laughs) enjoy the silence depeche mode of course yes definitive every you and every me placebo (laughs) the number of times you've sung that at me i know i'm sorry over very loud music i'm sorry um never Age of Consent, oh, yeah. New Order, yeah, yeah. and Lazy Line, Paid to Jane. Yes, Bell by Sebastian. Sebastian. Yeah. So, so let's go to the top of the list. Yeah. Talk to me about Forget Georgia. So, so something happens where one of these, you know, one of these sort of great white hopes of Irish rock in the, uh, I don't know, when early 90s or late 80s, I can't remember. And um, they never, unfortunately, I think they, they released three or four albums and that was that. Uh, people will remember them for wearing these awful kind of paisley shirts that were quite fashionable at, in 1989. What waistcoats? Was, uh, they'd be a bit like... That uh, was a look. That yeah. was a look. It was who else? The, the wonder stuff. Think of the wonder stuff. That sort of, oh. that sort of image now. So that's where... Um, similar haircuts as well, actually. Mm. But, um, but they could write a mean tune. Like they were very, very... They were good songwriters. I think it was uh, Ray Herman who's since gone on to do an awful lot of stuff in, in terms of TV soundtracks and things, they could write some seriously good tunes. And they're best known for uh, songs like Parachute, which you know, Irish people of a certain age will, will remember. And uh, mm. there are two or three others. There's one like, uh, uh, hello, 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 open brackets, petrol, uh, close brackets. And, and was, Did you say petrol? Yeah. So the original song was, <laughs> the origin, so the, um, the, the chorus line is the sequence of hellos like that. And, the band uh, and Virgin Records agreed at the time that it was the obvious signal from the band, but the band had just simply named it Petrol, which is completely, it just has nothing to do with the song at all. And Virgin Records are very upset about this. So, uh, you know, if something happens, then decide, okay, fair enough. So let's call it hello, 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 Petrol. So, <laughs> uh, and we were talking about liner notes earlier on. I mean, they, they released um, they released the best of, which, which came out when I was in college, called uh, and they stole this from somewhere else, but the beatings will continue until morale improves. And the it's it's one of the albums that has the great liner notes, like really. Tom Dunn wrote the liner notes, and they are 
like I can still remember some of them. Like he he's talking about a particular song. He goes, uh, it's dedicated to all these ex-girlfriends. It was something like, a, uh, you know, if you hadn't want, if you didn't want songs written about you, you should have been nicer to me. And um, it, it, talking about being, uh, you know, stuck in a dressing room opposite you too, and just what that was like. And um, just really, you know, there, there was more. They came across crossway is a bit flippant, but they weren't. They were really. I thought they were really good songwriters actually. And I heard them in, interviewed them a few times on. Uh, it was this Irish radio program back when you know teenagers listened to radio all the time because I certainly did. It was a show called Maloney After Midnight. It was great. Like he'd interview, he'd interview anybody who wanted to be interviewed. Basically, it was very eclectic. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he had something happens in a few times, and they'd talk about you know the process of songwriting, what that was like, and what was like touring basically toilets across UK and Ireland, and you know what made what made a good tour versus what made a bad tour. And they were really just searingly honest about their experience. Tom Dunn, you know, was gone on to sort of a second career in, in, in radio. Uh, and I said, Ray Harmon has, has gone on to sort of music for, for, for TV and film. Uh, I don't know what happened to the others, but uh, yeah, there were, I, I, there were there an Irish band that felt never got their due and were, were fantastic songwriters. And maybe in a different era with maybe a different record company or agent, they could have, could have gone on uh, to greater things. But sadly, as I said, that's not what, that's why we don't have nice things. But do you think, I think there's something about, um through all of your bands i mean you kind of lean into quite heavily into like, the art school mm. bands but also they're smart like they're quite literary bands yeah in a way. like i was worried and still am actually you know you read the list it's very jesus it's, it's white indie boy guitar music right it does it does one or two exceptions mm. no it does um and you know i originally toyed with the idea of let's, let's just throw <laughs> Just throw in some, you know, bands that don't or artists that don't conform to that, just you know, for a bit of variety. But then I said, "Fuck it!" Like this is who I am. Like that's this is this is the point in time when yeah. I grew up. This is the music I liked, and I'm not, you know, I shouldn't be ashamed of that. It is what it is. Um, not at all. Um, yeah, yeah, literary bands, maybe. I wouldn't think about that. That sounds kind of mercy. Um, but uh, uh, and actually, Andrew Eldridge at Sisters Mercy used to talk about how. Um, how he hated kind of these university bands. You know, he much preferred mm. the sort of working class kind of, you uh, mentioned New Order, for example, like they were in a university band or more more recently like Oasis, you know, the bands that just you know, rose in the street. And yeah, he, I think he has a point. Yeah. I think he has a point, yeah. For sure. Well, would Depeche Mode and Enjoy the Silence qualify? Um, I don't I don't think they went to university. The University of Life, but... Um, and, and then some, yes. And, and they, <laughs> they, they took some extra modules. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, let's put in a math. Yeah, and <laughs> now they're teaching it. This is quite funny. I mean, I, I, I think this is the first album I ever bought, Special Mode Violator, on cassette. And uh, like, I was totally taken in by, as I said, I have a penchant for synth music, shimmering synth. And certainly, this album certainly qualifies as that. This is probably when they were at their peak of their kind of rock god, stadium rock sort of stuff um, mm. and I, um, I saw them recently they were touring there about two or three years ago and they were fantastic no doubt about it uh, but uh, like how they're still alive forget about uh, Keith Richards or any of that how these guys are still alive and together is uh, a minor miracle famously um, lead singer Dave Dave Gann uh, used to be nicknamed the cat by LA paramedics and that he died he nearly died and was brought back so many times and like their song, it's funny because I was listening to her songs as a teenager, not realizing that most of these are heavy addiction references and heavy drug references, and you know, and worse. Yeah. And it's, you've no idea though. When you no, you've no idea. You just... it's, it's it's almost embar- it's, sorry, it is embarrassing. 
but it's it's yeah. hilarious like it's hilarious there's a song called clean on that album which is just about maybe trying to grapple towards uh sobriety and the benefits of it i think uh and it's so obvious that that's what you know it's, it's about trying to get away from addiction and like at the time i had no idea I just simply had no idea but yeah great album uh good production it's quite, it was quite common in the former USSR at the time of the fall of the former USSR because you could copy it loads and loads and loads of times. And uh, it was so well produced that the quality didn't necessarily diminish. Now, I remember, I always think of the talk. We, jump, we went to... Um, oh, vinyl. Vinyl, mm. yeah. And Flood was there. Yes. And I think he was their producer. That wasn't this album, though. That oh, that, was, uh, no, that was, was, it that this, was album? this album. Yeah, they hired him. Because he, yeah, yeah he <laughs> talked about like basically conning them into yeah. playing it the way he felt the music was play. supposed to be done. Yeah, like he, he, he's quite a funny individual. He doesn't take things seriously either, I don't think, but uh, and he's better off for it. But they were horrible to him. Like they were just just nasty they you know they they would do the exact opposite of he wanted and they would uh, he was the only i think this was his first kind of big big album at the time and they wanted to break him like they wanted to yeah. just show who was kind of a boss in the studio but he he just decided no fuck it <laughs> he used sort of asymmetric warfare on them and uh, like he won i mean his vision of that album won and like famously, the video for Enjoy the Silence involves um, uh, Dave again going up a hill somewhere mm. in north of Italy with the deck chair. And like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty well-known video, but that was recorded in like a couple of hours because he just refused to cooperate after that. But I tend to like kind of bands or people who are successful despite themselves, you know? It's, yeah, you know, it's, there's something truly kind of, they've done it their way and damn the torpedoes. I really like that. Like, uh, yeah. um, not just in music, but in other walks of life as well, just, Sort of people have done it their way. People weren't even, they're accidental kind of victors, you know, like they were going to do it their way no matter what, no matter what the outcome. It just so happened it went well. Love that. Um, I think we've talked about this before, like the notion that I don't, I don't need my artists to be like people I would want to have a pint with. Mm. I don't need them to be potential friends yeah. or people that I think are amazing. I mean, barring the obvious things, I just don't think humans should do. Mm. But, you know, I like, I like my artists a little bit flawed. Yeah. And a little bit just struggling. Yeah, I, and 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 it's not. Look, there's this great notion of you know the struggling artist, romantic notion of the struggling artist, um, you know, suffering for their art. It's more than that. I, I, it's great when they're also a little bit bald, you know, a little bit difficult when you know when they really don't yeah. don't want to cooperate. And why should they cooperate? And it doesn't make sense to cooperate. And yet, despite all of that, it turns out brilliantly. You know, it's like Homer Simpson once said, "No comeuppance." You know, it's just it's just kind of. <laughs> So yeah, they're they're the people I admire. Yeah, both. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, your next one then probably kind of taking us, I think, deeper into your teens mm. and deeper into the mid nineties, which is um, every year and every month. Oh yeah, placebo. Is that, no, that's that was I was I was probably twenty at the time, I think. Uh, but anyway, mm. um, yeah. So I wouldn't be a natural placebo fan, but uh, just love this track. I think this is this is a great track and. You know, you can still put this on at a party or a gathering or whatever. So some people just hate placebo and just turn their noses up at them. But this is a great dance floor filler. Like, and to me, it kind of it has a great sort of adolescence kind of. Um, it's hard to explain it. A great sort of adolescent vibe, the same way that maybe other songs like you know the Arctic Monkeys, uh, fluorescent adolescence. You know, it's got that. Yeah. Kind of, it's got a similar kind of. Uh, young person's vibe to it and and the lyrics are kind of nicely perverse as well which always helps but uh yeah no mm -hmm. just uh it's it's a song i've always liked uh, very good album actually that without you i'm nothing 
uh, I don't think they, I think that was their peak. Yeah, they they are, they were one of those bands that did at a certain point, and I think you were saying it when you were sharing your notes with this with me, because particularly maybe in the UK and Ireland, they arrived as a certain sort of, like the Britpop sort of yeah. indie rock thing was happening with a bit of grunge alongside it, and yeah. that they sort of crested well during that, and then they became really niche, I think, yeah. afterwards, um, and maybe didn't get their due. And like, look, uh, when considering this list, I mean, you and I would have talked a lot about Britpop Brit down through the years, and <laughs> and I like I like my specialist subject, yeah. mastermind. And and I, I look, I I, was, I love Blur, I still do. Uh, I've seen them umpteen times. Mm-hmm. I'm not as much in the Oasis camp, controversially, but still, I have all their stuff. I know. All their it st- will be the thing that breaks it, your marriage. It will be. <laughs> yes, it will actually. Yeah, the civil war in the household, but. Uh, <laughs> um, no, like I came of age in Britpop. It's just brilliant. Like there were some fantastic bands, and some of them still are fantastic bands. I mean, Pulp, Jarvis Cocker is another. another well, I won't say underrated because he's not, but he's he's just he's just class. Mm. Like there's some truly truly great music come out of that period of time, and it got people. People were talking about music who would never probably have otherwise talked about music or gone into music or, you know, mm. Oasis first album in particular. I know your, your, your previous, uh, your friend was, was talking about that last week. That was absolutely an album that I thought reached right across. Uh, Ravers. Yes. Uh, yeah, it just, it, it just didn't matter. Like everybody loved it. It, it. it had a, again, it goes back. It had this sort of, a, it was roaring youth. It was the voice of the adolescent. Some great, like songs that live forever. Uh, and it uh, you know, really did resonate with, with people, regardless of what their natural musical inclinations were. Uh, certainly was an album I loved, actually. Um, and it came out at the same time as Blur's Park Life, which, you know, uh, probably marginally, marginally I would prefer. But, uh, you know, they're both great albums. Like most bands would kill, would give their vital organs to, to, to produce two albums like that, never mind what all yeah. the other stuff they did. I remember uh, I was doing my accountancy finals and, I was quite lucky. I had a period of time off as quote unquote study leave. And at the time, Moby, remember him, Moby? We can't talk about Moby I now. Do, he, yes. He's uh, slightly, uh, slightly in persona non gratia, but uh, uh, he was playing in Galway, in the big tent in Galway. And uh, I went down for what was, you know, ostensibly a weekend. And I think I reemerged two weeks later, like in, in, a, in a panic about, uh, you know, I'd, I'd catch up and study or whatever. But uh, like, uh, yeah, but that is, I'm not jesting, that was the truth. But it, it was just a great time because I spent a lot of that time just listening to music and talking nonsense and, you know, drinking mm. cheap cider. It was just fantastic. It was almost that even, even during those two or three years, it was probably about four years altogether, you sort of knew it was a big cultural moment. Yeah. And we just happened to be at the perfect age. Yeah. Yeah, to to really kind of be part of it because I know I mean even being like that whole Ladette culture was getting covered yeah. in the press, but that was you know right as I became and Brenda and I have talked about this as well. It's like right when I came of age, or was just yeah. I could pass for somebody who was of age at least. Yeah, and you know I started drinking. I wasn't one of those girls who started drinking glasses of wine i was on like um pints of tenants extra (laughs) with a mad dog 2020 chaser like i went because it was part of that whole brit pop scene and it was part of that culture like i it was a great time to be a teenager actually late teens or it doesn't matter um like i stupidly at the time i assume this is the way it'll always be you know there will always be this amazing soundtrack to my life like you know uh uh, you know, there'll always be bands that I can identify with and, and it'll just be great crack, but it hasn't been that way. And, um, mm. 
such as you know that, that's that's a, that's a metaphor for life uh <laughs> i know i'm joking not that i've given up modern culture and like that but like i feel it's become quite fragmented now they all occupy their own niches now they're like deep sea animals like they all have their own niches and it's very hard to kind of to find an entry point become a bit of an echo chamber in the sense that you only get pushed towards music that you like whereas the whole joy of buying random stuff is just random and, you know you might like sparks which you also might like uh radiohead you know it's, it's yeah it's, that's the risk that's gone now that's where um like things like festivals mm. can be so mm. good because you can stumble across a tent or stumble across a thing and just be like oh sure fuck it we'll go in and yeah. see who's on in here the crowd looks interesting or you can get a recommendation yeah. from somebody. Like we went to, um, I think it was This Is The Kit in oh, yeah, yeah. Electric Picnic yeah. in like six, seven years ago. And it's always been a band yeah. that you, Mags and I have really enjoyed. I mean, God knows how many times we've seen and them. She, but... she, she nearly made the list. I mean, no, she should have got an honorable mention. I mean, absolutely. That is that is a band, mm. or she's uh, an artist I would definitely associate with a time in my life. I mean, she's, we've, had, yeah. we've been at some truly fantastic gigs she's played, like, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, barely stayed at one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That can I be know. on. We'll do that on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't mention the war. It was definitely a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but no, that's sorry. It's, it's maybe not be pleasant, but like it's a memory. It's a good memory. You know, it is a good memory. It, do, no, it is it, a yeah, good memory. Yeah. Like you know, I was mid breakup mm-hmm. and it was horrible, and I went to a band that you and I we went to. a we went for a night out a yeah. band that you and I loved and you were like my best mate giving me moral support and what was should have been like a really shitty week of my life yeah. it was yeah there was just this really fun like a belly like belly laughing fun <laughs> night and yeah. just and then bumping into all sorts of people yeah. and it was just but that's music and it's friendship though yeah. isn't it it's that you can go from like I actually just want to just set fire to the world yeah. to oh my God, this was like the funnest night I've had in years. Let's, like, life is great again. Let's keep doing it. I don't know. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head. And, and for me, that's what I like about music. And that's why maybe I've missed live music because it has all those connotations for me and it has those good memories. And sometimes bittersweet memories, like the one you just mentioned, mm. but nonetheless, they're strong memories. Yeah, like it's, uh, like I hope we can get back to, back to that state of society. I hope we do. You know, I'd be worried about some venues and things that they won't reopen, but... Yeah. All, all, all we can do is support them yeah. absolutely that's it the minute we like i've started booking tickets for things here mm. um just to kind of a get the money into the system a yeah. little bit but also so i've got some things lined up to look forward to yeah. and then you know flights open up you can come along that, with me. that is part of the ma- the, the master plan to get an oasis referencing <laughs> yes i will acquiesce to your pun there. Not, not, not the best period of their career. But anyway, we, we, we. No, the mass plan wasn't. Acquiesce definitely was, yeah, though. Yeah. Um, speaking of best periods of bands, mm. your next one is Age of Consent oh, by yeah. New Order. This is where my deep on Yeah, I'm sorry. Because... I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. don't. I'm actually, I'm actually really glad. It's my favorite, favorite New yeah. Order track. It, it's one that's held up surprisingly well, even though the production's kind of basic and burned some of the voice. So so, but this is another song that will get me that will get me penalty points. Like like it's the complete package. Yeah. It's the complete package. It, like Peter Hooks again, his bass line is, is excellent. Uh, uh, the keyboards kick in at the chorus, and the whole ridiculous. I mean, the song is kind of ridiculous as well. But it's just it's a really really again back to this thing. Uh, it's a really kind of happy adolescent song. You know, like they just don't care. Yeah. They were never an ultra cool band. 
you know um if you look back no. look back at videos and things of them now even at the time they were never you know they lacked we spoke about the pesh mode were, were kind of cool like you know they 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 had a certain something uh like there was a hint of menace a hint of threat that was attractive whereas like new order never had that um despite their backstory which is dark enough but uh, age of consent is a great tune it's just really really great tune and um as I said, it never failed to uh, get me happy. It never failed to uh, put my foot to the metal and, uh, you know, put, put me at risk of uh, yeah. traffic violence. It is, but it's the, it's Peter Hook's, like mm. the, I don't know, the, the cadence of it. It almost feels like it's starting to race with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the song builds and you can kind of like feel it accelerating. Yeah. It definitely and then, then it gets, takes you with it. And then it gets to the chorus and then it's sense kicking and it's full on. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's a great tune. I'm surprised. Like that was definitely the best phase of their career. Um, like the, the very first album. Uh, well, <laughs> no, but that was like paralyzing corruption. I mean, uh, your silent face. I mean, that is an absolute yeah. classic. Like that is that is just such a brilliant song. After I discovered New Order, I only years later started listening to Joy Division. Again, I, I found them very hard to get into at the start. Yeah. But having said that, recently I was just playing from Joy Division while working and. They really had something. Uh, I know it's easy, maybe sometimes when you're 19 and to write song, like it feels like it should, it's coming naturally. And Peter Hook, whatever you think about him, his his uh, book on that period of time, what's it called, Unknown Pleasures, is one of the great rock. Mm. It's one of the great rock books. It really is. I think he, as an individual, and their lives got more complicated after that. But this period of time, like he doesn't shy away from the hard questions. Like he talks about, you know, this accusation that was frequently met at him with, how did you not know when Curtis was unwell? deals with that head on he also deals with the fact like these tunes these songs just to come to them almost through the ether they had no problem writing like everything they wrote mm. was about right and it was just it shouldn't have worked but it did and they are they are one of the great bands and i mean yeah they're gloomy and somewhat existential and you know they write about things that you know they write about the holocaust like for god's sake i mean the band's name was taken from um from i think was it was a some uh, a Polish uh, either novel about the Holocaust or or, or or a unit in the a German army unit in the Holocaust, and I think I might have got that wrong. But it was, it was uh, no, it was, it was um, the uh, it was the was the women. Women, sorry, you're right, you're right in the concentration mm. camp. Yeah, what they were used for, like that is like yeah. Jesus. I'd like to see flipping. Uh, I'd like to see a, you know a band now go down that road. You know what I what I've been outcast from the start. Like these were four very ordinary working class guides from Macclesfield and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like that movie, that um, Antoine Cobbagin's movie um, about Control, them, Control re- really captures that really well. And like they make this this really haunting, dark, existentially threatening music, which is totally alien to their everyday lives, you know. And it's just it's fantastic when that happens. But it's also isn't it isn't because like I think you know the seventies in you know towns like Macclesfield it's like up the road from where I'm from and where in Stockport and the north of England yeah. are like these depressed old mill towns where there was just no money yeah it rains a lot it goes dark at like 3 yeah. 30 in well, the afternoon half of the year and for me it's sort of when I I like control does it very well but like mm-hmm. the architecture and the buildings yeah. and the even like the tonality of the, the color of the stone that we use to build houses across like the northwest mm-hmm. It does feel like that a lot. And I think that's where, you know, you get a lot of that and like the fall, the John yeah. Cooper Clarks, even bloody Wuthering Heights. Like yeah. it's that gothic-y emo thing. We just all sort of have it in us because it is a bit depressing. I agree with that. Um, and look, it, it wouldn't surprise, I know 
the Sex Pistols weren't from that part of the world, but it doesn't surprise me that like sort of dissident music or music that had gothic overtones or you know was mm. was concerned with maybe the darker things of their life emerged from that period of time from that place but i think they bought they brought to a whole other kind of in some ways it's hard to believe they're an english band you know what i mean they were kind of european in some ways uh, you know there was this yeah. whole there was mm. this whole i don't know what the word is there was this existentialism almost to them sorry that sounds very arsy better not leave that in uh, but they're all that. <laughs> oh i will for sure i'll absolutely do it. yeah definitely will i know what you mean yeah, though. yeah they were uh, yeah they transcended what they brought it to another level they definitely transcended what would have been considered maybe the normal sound that they could have produced like they brought it now part of that was martin oh. hannah uh, uh was it hannah she's the producer he was he was way yeah, he hannah. was he was way out there but uh yeah no, definitely th- was. <laughs> th- again it's a bit like yeah they were a band definitely a return to time and time and time again so tell me then where does lazy line pay to jane by bell and sebastian take you <laughs> Well, this this is definitely to do with a specific moment in time. This is that uh, you know, maybe some people know uh, it's been quite a bit of time. Some of my best friends live in live in the UK, live in live in Scotland, Edinburgh, London, and so mm-hmm. on. This refers. I discovered this song or just, uh, pushed towards me on a weekend I spent in Dundee, great town by the way. It was a highly inebriated weekend, but for some reason we just kept playing this song on repeat. I don't know why. Uh, it just just happens that way. It's not one of their better known tunes. I don't think they ever perform it live. But the lady who sings and I don't think she I don't, I don't think she's just done much else since I think the founder kind of accidentally she has a great voice mm. the chorus in this is fantastic the lyrics are actually quite quite uh, playful as well i mean there's a the the third verse refers to uh you know how to deal with an sti uh i'd like to see the fucking bingo boys cover that <laughs> i actually really would yeah, yeah, yeah. they probably could actually they probably do fine but no there's 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 a there's listen Abel and Sebastian are often accused of being a you know, white middle middle class band and, and indeed in some ways they are but there's quite a clever smirking uh, you know when when mm. in, in this song and uh, uh, the vocal performances are great it's just it's a happy song like it's it's a song about um, finding love and a few things like that but it's also uh, as I said a song about what to do when you have an STI <laughs> I mean so all of life is there all of life yeah yeah so but for you it's just it's your friend what to do when you have an STI sorry well <laughs> Sorry, uh, on a serious note, this, this reminds me of my time. No, this reminds me of an excellent weekend in the, with one of my best friends. Yeah, that's, uh, it sums a lot of things up. Nice. Okay, then. So um, let's go on to your final five songs, mm-hmm. which are Your Ghost oh, yeah. by Kirsten, Kristen Hirsch, Goodbye from Mick Flannery, yes. For the Damaged Coda, oh, yeah. Blonde Redhead, and then Come On, Feel the Illinois, Part 1, The World's Columbian Exposition, Part mm-hmm. 2, Carl Sandberg Visits Me in a Dream. Indeed. From Sir Ben <laughs> Stevens. And then finally, Happy Hour by The House Martins. Yes. Start with um, Your Ghost by Kristen Hirsch, because again, this is one I, I didn't know, but her voice is lovely. So I... I uh... I was gonna say got into Kristen Hirsch. <laughs> that might quite sound quite boom, boom. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I she I first heard her when she was the lead singer of Throwing Muses, which is one of these like the quintessential '90s American radio, uh, university radio bands, right? Um, yeah. A proud indie pedigree. She herself, like, she has just an amazing voice, and it's a voice that can go from. I mean, they're probably they're one of the rest, Throwing Muses' best known album, or the one that was most mainstream. Anyway, was the one that was called University actually and it's again it's an album I'd encourage any of it to listen it's great it still sounds great even now like and her voice is great with uh, 
with the with the, you know on rock tracks with, with a genuine rock band behind her and then around about the same time she goes and produces this album uh which in the main uh, consists of songs that either are or quite closely resemble appalachian uh, folk songs from maybe the turn of the the 20th century mm. and called hips and makers it was just at the time when rem were at their most imperial and I, I don't know whether they were friendly or who had the idea, probably the record company. And uh, but it turns out like their voices do work excellently together. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, cool. it's a very, very sad song. It's a song about longing and loss. It's very well produced. It's just excellent. Never, never fails to stop me in my tracks when I hear it. And is it, do you go to it? Is it like just sort of like a level set of sorts? No, I go to it. So this is not one that organically pops up at certain times, depending on the external stimuli. <laughs> just, uh, just to counter your early hypothesis. No, yeah. The exception of the rule, but no, um, <laughs> no, th- this is one I go to, like, or, or, yeah, no, this is one I go to. And like this section, I know it's supposed to be a song that changed your mood. Uh, mm. Initially, there were all, there was, there was three or four versions of the list and they were all happy songs, which is a natural thing people would select. But no, I decided, you know, there's a certain, there's a joy in melancholia uh, that isn't often mm. recognised. There really is. Oh yeah. Yeah, and this is certainly one of the songs that I think does that. You know, that that brings you there to that place. What about, I guess, similar? It's very yeah, thematically and indeed almost generally, I'd say very similar. Uh, again, Mick Flannery's Irish. I don't know much about him. Um, apparently, he's quite big on whatever scene that is. Uh, you know, I gave up on modern culture around 2007, so I wouldn't know. But no, I'm joking. No, I heard this on, on the radio once, uh, driving back to Dublin about maybe 10 years ago. And uh, again, it's one of those songs that just stop, stops you in your tracks. Uh, it's very similar. It's a song about a breakup, albeit this time from the point of view of the person br- uh, doing the breaking. And mm. um, he. Yeah, it's very it's a sensitive track in the sense that he he yeah he really feels the person he's he's breaking up with and at the same time he just has to get on with life just has to move on and he points out that look what what's happening here is is it's not unique to us it's, it's part of human experience what happened here was nothing new you know it's it's a very very for me that's a song that uh, means a lot to me yeah so look, it is a great line though because you sent it to me obviously in the notes like what happened here is nothing new yeah. and it's um it's like a shiv in the ribs yeah absolutely no well put well put miss walker I think that's Thank that's you. exactly no no that's no that's exactly I don't no, but it's, no, I don't mean that patronizing you know, it's, it's I mean that delicate is delicate well, but deadly yeah, sort yeah, of thing yeah and he's a great it helps that he has another he has a good voice um it's a very simple track uh as I think I said she like piano sad piano songs or ten a penny but you know this mm. this definitely nails it yeah it's gorgeous ten out of ten but moving on to perhaps a slightly yeah. different tone is for the damaged coda oh yeah and i think you're in your notes you said thank you rick and morty so i i hadn't heard this before and it's uh it was used as a as a coda uh to uh to an episode of rick <laughs> i think it was season two of rick and morty in which we, we discover evil morty and it just plays out in the closing credits and it this tune mm. it's kind of whimsical but it's also kind of there is a hint of menace in the air hints of threat a hint of foreboding you know like you think it's all over but it's just starting um and no it's <laughs> it's uh, uh no it's just it's a good it's it, it's a simple but it's it's a good it's good it's a good song it's a good tune it's not a song really uh, i really like it and i associate rick and morty which i believe is one of the better things the 21st century has given us 
And then you went sort of, um, well, just very cool with your Surfy and Stevens oh, yeah. choices. I always think it's just always a very highbrow selection to go for. That implies that my other selections are not, but we'll let that go. We'll let never. That go. We will never. let that go. Um, I've, I've expressed a deep love for all of them and for yourself <laughs> <Yeah>. many occasions. <laughs> well, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> uh, Sophie and Stevens, yeah, look, a guy that would want to make you hate talented people, you know, just, uh, you know, mm. can, can just yeah can you know just record anything and it's brilliant yeah he's a craftsman yeah he's a craftsman he's a true true craftsman of the of music but this album i always come back to uh, and not like i actually don't like the, the illinois song i think it's um you know it's radio bait basically but uh even though it's a good yeah. tune it's a good tune but it's it's easily not one of the strongest tunes in the album this one i love though uh it's pretty, you know, it's, it's, it's a long one. Uh, people don't do long, long tracks anymore. It's very musical. I remember uh, my wife was doing a musical and they were doing a band call uh, before, uh, two days before, before their first uh, opening night. And they had a full orchestra in, in the building that were rehearsing. And it just reminded me of that album so much, like just such a rich album. This song I like in particular, uh, again, it changes the tonal shift halfway through. Second bit I love. Mm. Uh, there's a bit of a cure thrown in there, a little bit, and I, yeah. I, I love it the way it closes out. Like it's, you know, are you writing from the heart? Sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. I like him as an artist as well. Mm. He just, yeah, just seems like a cool guy to hang out with. You're right, because there are there are throughout your list there are there are songs that have almost like chapters. Mm. Yeah, they're a bit operatic, like starting with sparks, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny because, like, I think you've got some quite dramatic choices in your list, but yeah. I wouldn't describe you as a dramatic individual. I would hope not. I am the cipher's <laughs> cipher. If I've done my work correctly, you know, when the aliens are kicking around in two thousand years time, and they'll find evidence of you know stuff that's been done. But like some of the other people in your guest list are, like they, you know, they've done st- stuff that will be there. If I've done my job properly, they won't find any trace. <laughs> So, uh, I really, yeah, so do you honestly like you see, you've got like no desire to leave an imprint on the earth that says Declan was here? I, I, I wish I were uh, gifted or clever enough to be able to do that, but I don't think I am. And I think if you're going to do that, you really got to hit it out of the park. You got it, has to be William Shakespeare or nothing, you know what I mean? It's you just got to nail it. And I don't, I think there's the number of people who can do that in all of humanity's history is so small so small yeah i feel like i wish the look on my face had a had an accompanying sound because you did disagree or no i i don't think i do think you're talented enough and i think no i'm not, I'm not... i think the world the world should have more of the i think i think you've got something profound in you so no. to speak <laughs> no, no 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 oh my god uh this, this... well thank you for the i'm not fishing no i'm not fishing for comp- it's... No, how do know. i explain it um yeah maybe who knows maybe i will uh I will write something someday and, uh, you know, it'll end up uh, being quoted in schools in 2000 years time. Who knows? <laughs> but prob- probably not. Probably not. Possibly not. Possibly mm-hmm. not. Schools won't exist then anyway. That's true. Um, we all live in the matrix anyway. True. Mm. True. Um, but let's crawl our way back out of it. Crawl mm. our way back out of it. Yes. And into your final, final choice. Happy hour by the house, Martin. You've got to end on a high. you got to end. you got to leave them asking for more. I mean, it's happy hour again. Yeah, happy hour again. Ah, just, look, it's it's pop, and pop gets a bad name. Pop shouldn't get a bad mm, name. Perf- no, perfect pop is a beautiful thing, and I would class this as near perfect pop. Like it's just, uh, this is just a perfect song, though. Like this is, uh, I just love it. And again, this is one of the songs I would have seen quite a lot growing up in my very early teens. It would feature an awful lot on Saturday morning. 
kind of magazine shows. Mm. And again, I think that's because the videos feature claymation. It's quite, you know, quite sort of uh, visually attractive video and funny. And um, yeah, and the song itself is, is really upbeat and uh, good crack. So yeah. It is, but it's, it's, it is a real uplifting one, but it's, it's so scathing as well at the same time, isn't it? Well, listen, that's their whole shtick, isn't it? Uh, nice tunes with dark lyrics, so be it, you know. Why not? Again, it's another song that puts me in kind of a sarcastic good mood when I hear it. And it's, uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Mm. I always just think I really like Paul Heaton's voice. Yeah, he is. As well, really sort of unique. And they, they, they're, when they, when they, tra- when they morphed into the beautiful South, like, I mean, it was one stage there. I, I don't know, I can't remember the names, but I remember like they had this, they had three, the two male, uh, one of whom was Paul Heaton and, and a female lead singer. And oh my God, like they were like, a musical strike force you know you just their voices were so good together um yeah uh, i can't remember the name so i'm used to like that but uh yeah the women swapped actually i think after they the did. first album did. didn't it and then it was jackie somebody that's right you're right but, yeah. um yeah. i was listening to i got really into song for whoever again recently mm. which is brilliant <laughs> that is brilliant i mean that is there's yeah there's a glint in the eye like the sarcasm yeah it's it's all there but uh uh, he he's a great. I mean, he, I know he said his troubles, or whatever. He's a great songwriter, like a really good songwriter. Um, mm. They should study him, but uh, they probably won't because he's from Hull. <laughs> it's funny because he used to live. He lived on the street next to me. Yeah. In my second year in Hull, yeah, I used to. I bumped into him buying tomatoes in a centre. Really. Once, which was like the only place I'd seen Centra apart yeah. from Ireland at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, a huge fan of the beautiful South, mm. but, you know, the House Martins as well. And then I ended up going to Hull and um, just being like, oh, it's Paul <laughs> <laughs> Just sort of yeah. really, really sort of like not stealthily yeah. stalking him around <laughs> the corner shop, which, which is, is about which I'm sure he 30 loves. square I mean, feet or something. I'm sure he's really into that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah so we used to get, we used to share the same local because he still lived... In the terrace house that he'd lived before it all started, started yeah. he didn't want any of that stuff, and it happened to be, I lived on Devere Street, and he was on Grafton. Yeah. Um, but the Grafton was the name of the pub. Yeah. That we all used to go in. That's where he used to go. He I, used to, yeah. I know he doesn't drink always anymore. Always but I'd like to have a pint with him. He's now a singer. I'd like to have a pint with. You know. Um, yeah, a pint of sparkling water now. Yeah, yeah nowadays. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But back in the day, I'd like to have a pint with him. He would have been. Uh, I'm sure it would have ended in violence, but you know it would have been fun up until that point. I think it just mostly ended up in like slurring and falling asleep more than anything else. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> not, like... an, an experience not unknown uh, to myself. So, uh, <laughs> to either of us, to either of us, yeah, we can deal with that. No, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I love Happy Hour. It is, it's just pure. It's a good one for getting everyone dancing yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Just very short. Like not. Is it even three minutes? Uh, if even. Just uh, I think. And, yeah. and don't listen to the lyrics too heavily, too deeply. Don't. Don't. No, do I like it? Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. it. I yeah, like a good juxtaposition. Um, that draws us to a close. Well, thank you very much. Have your things. I have a few. I have a few kind of pop questions. Oh to ask yeah, yeah. Remember. Okay. I, I don't remember actually. This is a bit of your instructions. I didn't. Ah, make. this is where you just stop listening. Yeah, well, like it. Know, nice. I've no offense. Non taken. Limited attention. <laughs> <laughs> so um best gig ever oh god uh I, I, I don't know this is unfair um <laughs> i don't know i don't know don't laugh at me i saw muse once in what was the point depot in dublin or tree arena like they are a very good live band whatever you think about their music they're a very good live band and 
I remember like just watching them and they started with that song and they were on all of these individual platforms that up and down sort of independently of each other. And it was just that that gig was simply unbelievable. They just started again, it was full, like Rick and Morty, full on, no sort of preparation, no foreplay. We're just gonna hit you hard <laughs> and we're gonna and we're gonna continue to hit you till uh you know till you give in and then it was you that, submit. yeah that, that that would be one i would go back to absolutely yeah absolutely and of all the songs on your list yeah what's the one that you would implore people to go check out oh check out good question um i would say check out the career of kirsten hirsch you won't be disappointed the whole career the whole career okay yeah. great but we'll start with your ghost because it was on your list yeah you know that's that's kind of mid-career but um that's an entry point. That's an entry point. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, she's one of these amazingly prolific sort of an album a year type uh, people. Um, but uh, why I'd recommend her is because she is there's not just one string to her bow. She can she can sing the phone book type thing, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it, she, she's a lady for all a singer for all seasons. There's something there for everybody. Okay, and then um, if you could have anyone guest on the podcast, whose answers would you like to hear? Uh, known or unknown to us? Oh, oh God! I should have prepared this one. Mitchell's already doing it, by the way. Is he? Yeah. Don't worry. I wasn't going to mention him. <laughs> <laughs> You're not on the list. Oh, I'm going to say somebody like Ian Banks. There you go. He was famously like music. He, he even brought out an album once of sort of Scottish bands. I think that uh, he listened to it while he was writing his books. He was kind of an offbeat writer. He you know, had two personas. He's a guy who's dead now, died young. Uh, it's one of Yeah, the... I was about to say it's going to be tricky. Yeah, it was one of my great regrets <laughs> that uh, I never actually got to meet him. He was doing a book signing in Dublin maybe two years before he died in chapters off Parnell Street. And I never got to, I, I was intended to go, but I missed it. And it's one of my great regrets that I never oh. met him. Um, well, thank you. So not at all. Not at all. For participating in this little wee project of mine. Not at all. It's it nice was my pleasure for this ex- <laughs> participating in this exercise. This exercise. <laughs> Thank you for joining. No, no problem at all. My exercise. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really liked your choices as ever. Thank you. And you haven't once aggressively sung a Pixies lyric at me. No, there will be a time so... and place. There will be a time and place for that. And when it happens, it will happen. I assure I mean, just uh, the some band that I, you know, uh, people were expecting me maybe to mention the Pixies. And, yeah, I was very surprised and, and you didn't na- have them in actually. And, and the National, and maybe, and maybe the, the incomparable Shakespeare's sister. But um, <laughs> yeah, you could have said Siobhan Fine. Oh uh, well, come on. No, uh, yeah, I could have. Yeah. Don't forget Marcella Detroit. Don't forget Marcella Detroit. No, uh, Pix- never. Pixies. Um, listen, there's been enough said and done, right? Uh, uh, but you're right. I should have mentioned Siobhan. I'm sorry, Siobhan. It's right. We'll let her know. I'm sure she cares. She she knows how you feel. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's recorded in all the legal documents. Yeah, I was just going to say the court, the court order was pretty explicit. Yeah, so <laughs> she still looks great. I mean, oh my god. Anyway, uh, we'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> One day, and like, have you you've seen them live? I take it either as Banana Rama. Oh, uh, I think I saw Banana Rama. They played in the uh, I was going to call the joke stage. You know, the uh, the nostalgia stage 
uh, one year in Electric Picnic. Picnic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they were there. I mean, they were Brandorama were a good band. I mean, I'm going to get killed for saying this. Great, like, like you say again, good, yeah. great pop. Yeah, they were, and some of their songs are dark enough. Um, uh, but Shakespeare's sister were an excellent band. I mean, she she introduced us to the modern katsu, for example, in that video for Stay. I mean, there's nothing. Yes. What's not what's not to like, and what is not to like. Probably the Christmas party <laughs> photos from my my high school when I had. <laughs> I had a full length catsuit and a, really? a floor length waistcoat. How uh, from an S two, yeah. I don't even I don't know, know how that. I don't even know how that works. It was basically like a sleeveless Mac, I suppose, <laughs> but it was all black. Right. And um, yeah, I got very into that album. Mm. Might have been the year I cut all my hair off. Even I think oh. it, I think it was. So I had a very short hairstyle that I thought looked like Marcella Detroit. I actually looked like Ryan Giggs. <laughs> And um, yeah, I used to get in trouble for my makeup at school because I'd essentially, I was like accidentally uh, gothing myself up because I just didn't know how to match foundations. Oh. <laughs> I had like a really white face so you were, and a really plum red lip. So you, you, yeah, you, that was a lot to do with You were an accidental goth. That's a whole, that's a whole subculture that I think needs to Yeah, the accidental goth. It was mostly yeah. just me delivering the Manchester Evening News listening <laughs> to Shakespeare's sister. Oh, like, dear, like oh dear. in the twilight in Manchester, <laughs> it was a mood. It was a mood. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. There, it is absolutely. It's an aesthetic and a mood. Yeah, yeah. I can. Thanks. I can, yeah, I can see that. I can buy into that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought I was. I thought I was something straight out of that video in that outfit. In reality, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Less said the better. Just yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. I don't. There might be some photographic evidence somewhere. Well, Hopefully not. Well, we shall find them after that. Yeah, you know mm. my mum's going to go straight into the loft. Absolutely. I, I, I have her number and that's not a lot. No, I know. I know. It's, doesn't, it's not as weird as it sounds, that, everybody. <laughs> Disclaimer. She also has Declan's number. Again, not as not weird. weird as it sounds. I mean, hey. No. Yeah, anyway.